we're out on the porch today. It's nice get a view of the lake, even more view of the lake uh, compared to the kitchen. But um, I thought today that we would uh, have a talk about God. <laughs> That's a big part of your life. Talk about what? About God. God. Um, and uh, Catholicism in general, just because um, I know you were raised Catholic. So um, yesterday we got a chance to go visit your old church um, and also your old grammar school, which is pretty cool. And um, uh, tell us about some of your earliest experiences there. Well, <clears throat> we lived in uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin, until I was nine years old when my dad got transferred down to uh, Chicago. <clears throat> and the um, uh, grammar school I went to for the first four years was named St. John's. Uh, it was about a mile from the house, and we would walk there uh, every uh, morning for school and come back in the evening. Somebody older than us who uh, lived in the neighborhood would walk us there. Um, when we uh, got to Chicago, I was, uh, it was in the summertime, and um, uh, I was registered uh, at, uh, at Our Lady of Lourdes uh, for uh, fifth grade at that time. Uh, I was nine years old, uh, and being 10 in January. At the time we moved, uh, my dad <clears throat> had to make a decision as to which church we were going to go to. So we, he got in the car and we drove to each of three churches, which were, as it turned out, equally a mile away from each other. So <clears throat> we went inside all three. In those days, you could go in during the day. They didn't lock the churches. and. Um, we uh, decided on Our Lady of Lourdes because it really had a beautiful uh, altar and a beautiful setup at that time. <clears throat> and then we also thought that the school system was good. It was a little further uh, north and east of where we <clears throat> lived, and it seemed to be in perhaps a better neighborhood, although I, I really couldn't say that. Um, I ended up uh, being an altar boy uh, at uh, our Lady of Lourdes, uh, and uh, as it turned out, I was the altar boy uh, at the seven o'clock mass, uh, and Monsignor uh, Cletus F. O'Donnell, it was his name, uh, who worked at the Chancery downtown, always said the seven o'clock mass during the week, and uh, uh, I would get uh, to uh, the church uh, and, and at that time, I was old enough to basically walk by myself, 10 years old, I knew where, how to get there. And I would then uh, say the Mass. I was his altar boy. <laughs> and uh, that would be the pre preschool situation. Yeah. I also um, was able to become a choir boy. Um, at that time, I think I sang soprano and uh, soprano. Well, yeah, most young boys <laughs> sing soprano <laughs> until they mature here. Yeah, that's true. And I'll uh, sing soprano. Yeah, and so uh, uh, we uh, had a, a pretty good boys' choir. Um, uh, when I was in eighth grade, as it turned out, I got to do a solo actually. Uh, but then, as uh, as I got older, obviously my voice changed, and no more soprano. Mm -hmm. um, more of like I a tenor. I was telling uh, Andrew yesterday when we were there, uh, we had a practice session for the uh, choir uh, before Christmas mass, 
and um, I'm going to say the day or the week before, where we were marching uh, uh, along the uh, different aisles, knowing where to go and what to do and when. <clears throat> and it was practice, of course. And one of the songs uh, or hymns was the uh, first Noel, which I'm sure a lot of you know or all of you know. But in any event, um, where we got to the point, and, and if, if you know anything about Chicago, uh, the uh, way to get around downtown fast is with the elevated, um, normally referred to as the L by everybody. Yeah, the train. Oh, hey, Grandma's in the studio. So uh, one of the uh, carols, as I said, was the first Noel, and uh, being kind of a irascible young kid, as we were singing it, I decided it was saying, uh, Noel, 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 get a streetcar. Well, <laughs> as fate would have it, a uh, sister who was running the choir uh, overheard me and gave me a good cuff in the ears here. Which yeah. I, those she, days, you could, they could hit you. And yeah. She didn't appreciate your local Chicago humor. <laughs> no, no. Although I wonder, I often wonder when something like that, whether she ever tells other sisters and whether they chuckle about it or whether yeah. they find that blasphemous what were your relationships like with uh, the nuns there we um our uh I, I, the sister i had in fifth grade was sister Catherine, who she's an elderly gal very very interesting person she happened to be uh at the earthquake which occurred and i'm not in what year maybe 1908 or 1902 or for all i know hmm. in um in uh um San Francisco and I remember her telling us about that um, and then uh, I also um, don't remember my sixth grade teacher but in seventh and eighth grade uh, they separated the boys from the girls so uh, sister St. Owen was our seventh grade teacher and she really was uh, somebody I really looked up to she interestingly enough uh, she taught us how to diagram sentences and to this day I, I, I really get a kick out of trying to diagram a sentence that uh, is a really long one um, but one of the things and this sounds a little braggadocia but one of the things that uh, happened is when she graded uh, I got my first grades back from her uh, there was a, a a, a subject called industry or at least it was on the uh, report card and she put an A plus on there and uh, um, I you know obviously I said uh, sister uh, what, what is industry uh, she said uh, by I was by at that time mm -hmm. -E yeah. uh, and she says uh, I've never had anybody work as hard as you I, I, I don't can't remember ever giving an A plus to anybody in industry but you just never stop working um, <laughs> so uh, that was her but she she was a a boy's uh, a nun uh, she knew how to relate to boys uh, she was very good at uh, motivating all of us and uh, we feel we lot we learned a lot from her um, mm -hmm. our eighth grade teacher uh, nun was sister Lucy who um, in my opinion was a, a step down from uh, sister St. Owen for sure yeah. um, then uh, when we all graduated from grammar school uh, obviously the question is where are you going to go to high school well uh, most of the of the kids there that were going on to uh, 
uh, to high school, well, all of them uh, actually, but most of them who were going on to high school uh, wanted to go to St. George, uh, which was further north uh, of Chicago. Uh, I'm not sure just what whether it was even in a suburb, but it was quite far north. And uh, it, it seemed to be the place where all the, the, um, the in-group went. Uh, for whatever reason, I decided to go to St. Gregory. Um, I think one of the reasons was, as I mentioned in an earlier discussion, my dad um, was very focused on engineers and how engineers were the people who were going to um, uh, get the better jobs. And so right. I ended up going uh, to St. George. Um, we did not, uh, being the fact that my dad was dead, he died when I was uh, 13 years old. and, and uh, um, just before I graduated, actually. Mm. Um, I, uh, my mother uh, went to Sears and got some uh, uh, pants for uh, me to wear to school. One was a, a gray one, and the other one was a brown pair of pants. And so every other day I'd wear the one or the other, and I remember the gal sitting next to me in class making the comment, don't you have any other pairs of pants? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, frankly, I, I, I don't think I do. And yeah. the other thing they did is they had a, 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 um, a, a contest for most popular kind of thing, and uh, I ran a, a Ran, I was uh, selected, or for want of a better term, to run against one other fellow who happened to be a very good athlete. And and I won't say that that's the only reason he won, but uh, mm. it certainly helped. Uh, so yeah. he he was the most popular boy. He was more uh, in the public conscience. Well, I, 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 I'm not sure what sport he played, because this is high school, so it could have been football. He's a big guy, and it could have been football. Mm. Uh, as I've mentioned previously, I never played any sports in high school. I was busy working uh, at different jobs uh and frankly, I always liked the idea of, make, of having getting money or making money as distinguished from having people cheer for me playing sports. So uh, St. Gregory was a high school? St. Gregory was a high school. And uh, what was Lane Tech then? Lane Tech was a high school. I'm getting to that. Oh, After the first year at St. Gregory's then, uh, we transferred to Lane Tech. And I, I think, if I recall, and I, I may be wrong at this, I think that the city of Chicago did not let you go out of your regular district uh, for your first year. So I would have been required to go to Lakeview High School okay. if I would have um, uh, not, uh, if I wanted to stay in the public school system. Mm -hmm. And I think my mother uh, wanted me for sure to stay in a Catholic school, having come out of Our Lady of Lords. But then in the second year, you were able to go uh, out of your system. And Lane Tech was a school that was um, generic. It could draw from, really, Really, there were only, uh, I think, three uh, technical high schools, public high schools uh, in Chicago at that time. One was on the south side, and then Lane Tech was the one on the north side. And so uh, I, I, that's why I think I went to St. Gregory's the first year. Mm -hmm. um, but because the plan was always to go to Lane Tech because that's where the engineers were. Right. Um, so anyway, um, uh, 
that's not a religious uh, beyond religion then we can talk about uh, hmm. basically uh, obviously I continued to go to church on Sundays and do the sacraments uh, uh, Catholic faith was a little bit uh, different that time you had a you couldn't eat meat on Friday and you had to be very uh, careful in terms of fasting and abstaining uh, when you went to communion uh and uh that was pretty strong so um yeah. uh there was there was really no change in that in terms of religion uh and then when i went on to northwestern i continued to go to the local church because uh, mm -hmm. uh we didn't move we stayed in the same uh, house that we initially moved when we first uh, came to Chicago. You mentioned that your mom uh, preferred if you were to go to a Catholic high school. Was um, religion very much um, around you not, at home? Not really. Not really. Uh, we we didn't say prayers. We probably said prayers before meals. Um, I know we never said prayers after meals. I know we never had a rosary discussions or hmm. things where we sat. It really, it, we really didn't. Um, um, we had uh, uh, statues in the house and things like that. Sure. And of course, if you'd lose something, you'd pray to St. Anthony. But there, there never was a real strong religion focus at home. So your connection uh, for towards a religion with your mom was pretty much just at church when you guys would go every Sunday. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was, it, it, yeah, we, I, I suspect we never really went out of our way to go to church uh, in terms of uh, um, evening type of things, uh, to my knowledge. Now, I suppose if we interviewed my sister, she might remember better, although she was four years younger than me. But yeah. uh, uh, I think the where religion uh, uh, should get into this discussion is, is how the children uh, came out of a out of that environment um now i um when i met barbara um and we talked about this before uh we went on <laughs> the dates we went on but the first date we went on um was did she talk about this before was a friday uh, uh, i don't know and and uh uh, she was very concerned, and I think she may have done that before. Oh, yeah, yes. when you guys were talking Anyway, about we ended up, she ended up finding out I was a Catholic because I right. wanted fish and she wanted fish. Yeah. Um, but then uh, you know, when the children were born, of course, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> basically you could tell we were Catholic because we were having so many children. And as I <laughs> mentioned before, in those days, it was really only the Chinese people and the Catholics that were having big families. Mm -hmm. um, and we uh, <clears throat> always, uh, at least the initial situation when we lived um, in uh, Arlington Heights, uh, our, our children went to a Catholic high school, I mean, excuse me, Catholic grammar school, St. Anne's. Mm -hmm. Although we did get to a point there where um, we did uh, decide that it was made more sense for them to go to the public school because it was closer to the, to uh, our house, and uh, we felt that the quality of teaching there was better than it was at um, at uh, Saint Anne's. Uh, uh, there 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 is an interesting story in that in that Michael was very good at math, and. Um, he did so well that they uh, recommended that uh, he go over to uh, the uh, uh, the public uh, grammar school there and take a math course, which ironically happened to happen 
they started a little bit early and it overlapped the religion course uh, that was being taught at St. Uh, Anne's at that time. Okay. So um, Michael had to be away from the religion class uh, a good half of the time. And quite often the nun would get mad and would just not let him in the class. And actually one time when they had a, an important exam, she wouldn't let him in. So he got F in religion. Uh, <laughs> so needless to say, I went to the uh, school board meeting when they had it uh, uh, at a Catholic church. Uh, uh, and I evidenced our displeasure and explained to them how that came about. And uh, uh, it's not that they changed his grade and it's not that they, he didn't get promoted, but uh, he, he's one of the few people I know who probably got F in religion. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the... The, the upshot, though, was that we, the children, while they were uh, living at the house, um, went to church. Uh, and, uh, of course, the goal was to go to church as a family. Um, and I do remember uh, uh, one instance where um, the older ones were quite young, and um, we were sitting in the church when they rang the bell for the uh, consecration. And one of them hollered out, good humor man, which was an ice cream truck that used to go around ringing a bell and alert right. the kids that the ice cream truck was in the neighborhood, yeah. which uh, got a semi-chuckle from some of the people in the uh, right. church there because yeah. we were sitting up kind of toward the front on the side there. Yeah, they didn't uh, know any better. Yeah, uh, well, you know, just kids. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I think, and I, I we know a couple uh, – people who really made it a point to take their whole family even through high school uh, to church like at nine o'clock in the morning and then they would go out to dinner uh, or lunch rather after church so it was sort of a real family thing where we never did that and largely because the kids all had different uh, events that they were involved in sports wise or or whatever and um, it was almost impossible to uh, say all oh, we're all going together as a family now obviously yeah. Christmas and and Easter and times like that we did but for the most part um, the kids went to church uh, at differing times uh, and uh, and we're pretty well definitely we're good about it because we we were monitoring that it was only when I would we would go visit them at college um, after uh, when they first started college and we'd go down and one of the early questions we'd ask them is uh, what time are the masses uh, <laughs> and of course we'd get ooh uh, eh, uh, uh, which obviously told us that they did not only didn't know what time the masses are they obviously didn't even go to to church uh, right. very often uh, I, and as you know uh, when you're in college there's a lot of other distractions uh, and, uh, and most of the schools had a a, uh, a religious, uh, and I forgot the name of the club that they would call it, where, where it was sort of like a type of a fraternity or sorority where the kids could get together and then uh, and, and talk about their religion. And, and uh, our kids never joined any of that kind yeah. of thing. So you valued uh, 
religion as a way to bring everyone together as a communal experience. It was like yeah. the, the but we one didn't time overemphasize to... religion. We we uh, like I said we we did not often say prayers before meals, and I don't recall ever saying prayers after meals. And uh, uh, really, uh, I think our focus on religion was being sure that they went to church. Yeah, and how important was that to you? Because uh, growing up in the faith, you obviously carry that over into parenting. Well, we obviously uh, at the time would have preferred our our kids to marry Catholic people because obviously that gives them a better chance to uh, um, continue in the faith. But as as uh, fate would have it, not faith, but fate, maybe faith. Um, <laughs> I don't know of uh, any of our children who are um, practicing the Catholic faith uh, the same way we did, which means going to church every Sunday yeah. um, and um, holy days of obligation. Uh, um, and it, it, one of the things we've noticed uh, that the fact that you married a Catholic or you didn't marry a Catholic really didn't have uh, any difference necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we have uh, uh, some families where uh, we have one family, I won't name the family, where, where um, the in-law became a Catholic and yet they don't practice. We had others uh, where they were both Catholic when they married and they don't practice. And yeah. then, uh, so it's just a matter of um, they do, I think, at least for a while, we're setting an example for the children. Uh, everybody's got uh, baptized. But right. uh, as far as I know, although, uh, yes, I'm sure of that. Of that. But uh, and quite a number have been confirmed. But at this point in time, there's a lot of them that will never be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, so does that pain you to see your, your kids kind of stray away from Catholicism? I don't know that it's painful. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm responsible for that. Uh, yeah, I don't think I so. would imagine, uh, as I look back, and I could probably say, had we been more uh, focused on religion uh, as, a, uh, as a part of our life, and maybe had my mother been more focused on it, uh, and we we had been more focused. Uh, maybe to this day, there would be uh, more uh, people who felt really seriously that uh, that they're they're doing wrong, quote unquote, by not going to church. Uh, mm-hmm. But the modern uh, generation has decided pretty much that church is what you make it, and uh, you don't need church to have God. Um, yeah. And uh, back in the old days. Um, uh, those of you who remember going to church where there was a, a, a tabernacle and the Lord was taken out of the tabernacle in the form of a host and was blessed and all that, realized that uh, uh, there, you don't have a tabernacle in your house. You don't have a chalice. You don't have all of that stuff. And so the theory in those days is that's where the Lord was. And so you went to the church to uh, join the Lord and uh, and uh, be reverent and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's quote unquote bad to be missing church? No. I, well, I, I, I don't make that judgment. Uh, I. Uh, as we all know, time will tell. Yeah. Uh, time will tell whether there really is a, a, a reason to have gone to church. I mean, when you think about it, uh, uh, you and I went to this uh, uh, Our Lady of Lourdes yesterday, and 
heard an amazing story from yeah. from a guy, uh, which um, when you hear that story, uh, and you know, I know he wasn't lying. I mean, it, it was honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me repeat the story because it, it's very profound. Uh, sure. When we went, he was nice enough to let us in the Catholic Church. We got to talking with him. Obviously, it was locked, but uh, the um, uh, grotto was open, and it's really, really beautiful grotto. But in this, in the Catholic Church, as you come in. The door from outside in the main door and you look up uh, in the vestibule you you would be totally amazed there's a, a, a drawing first of all there's the lord in the middle and then on the right hand side is a lot of uh, people looking like they're in agony and all that which is representing hell and then on the left hand side there are people who uh, are i think i saw fields i saw a lot of other things yeah. i mean i didn't i saw maybe one or two angels but it really um uh, wasn't overemphasizing angels now the reason reason I'm telling you this, uh, and Andrew, you know that, is uh, we were wondered, uh, it was just wonderful, it was unbelievable. Turns out that there was a gal who was 18 years old, uh, and maybe she was older, I don't know, 20 or whatever, but anyway, she developed pancreatic cancer, and uh, it was so serious that, uh, and in those days, 90-some percent of the people with that would die, she went into a coma. And uh, she was in the coma for, I think it was two months or something like that. And the family was getting ready to pull the plug or whatever you do when you have people in comas. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the very next day, she came out and she was incredibly lucid and chatting with the family and all that. And and they were totally amazed. And and, uh, the obvious thing is, my God, what's, what's happening? And she said, I've got to tell you, I saw the Lord, and he, I, I talked with him. He wants me to do a, a, a painting in the church, and um, I promised him I would do it. And um, I know that sounds ridiculous, but in any event, uh, and it took her two years to get approval to actually do this uh, painting, and then they had to put up scaffolding for her and all that. And and I think she did this in the space of less than a year, if I remember uh, him telling us that. And uh, then shortly thereafter, she went into a coma again. Mm -hmm. And uh, unbelievable. Uh, It was almost like the Lord brought her back to do the painting. Well, she came out of that coma, uh, and I don't know how soon afterwards, and is now a happily married woman living in uh, uh, Loma, Norma Loma Linda or something Herb, like that. Herba Linda? Yeah, whatever, in yeah. California, with six children. Um, mm-hmm. And she's now, I think, in her 50s or something like that, or late 40s. But. Yeah. When you hear something like that, and like this guy said, he said, you can hear it, but when you see it, it's just unbelievable. Um, And uh, it wasn't just the painting, but it was the fact that you go into a coma and you come out and you're totally lucid and you're doing something, and then you go back into a coma again. I mean, uh, it can't explain it. So when you see things or hear things like that, and I know there are other stories of, of miracles and all that. Um, you say, uh, there is a God, you know. Now the only question is, are we, and back in my day, uh, you had to be a Catholic to actually be uh, going to uh, to uh, uh, heaven. That's if you, uh, that was another story. Uh, if you If you went 
if you died before you were baptized a Catholic, you would go to a place called Limbo. And Limbo was a place that <clears throat> um, it, it, it didn't have all the great things that um, uh, heaven has, and it didn't have any of the pain that hell has, but you were just like in a sus animation, suspended animation type yeah. thing. Well, when we were expecting, I'm going to say either Billy or Susan, uh, not Billy, um, either, well, we, we were in... Uh, at the time, we I, we were in Arlington Heights, um, so we would have been maybe Jim. Uh, yeah, it may be Jim. Uh, we had to go to a um, before he could get baptized. We had to go to um, a discussion group, which met on Fridays for three or four, maybe weeks, uh, just Friday evening for an hour and a half or whatever. And um, I used to have a habit when I worked downtown of having a cocktail before I caught the train coming home. So as fate would have it, um, we went to the meeting and... Um, and uh, uh, they started talking, and and it wasn't the Catholic people. It was uh, a husband and wife talking. It wasn't uh, uh, the pastor or a priest uh, giving the discussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got to talking about baptism and 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 that and. Uh, uh, how important it was that you be baptized to go uh, to heaven uh, and as a Catholic, and uh, so I said, "Well, what about limbo?" And she looked at me and she said, "There is no limbo." And I said, "There is no limbo. What about all the people who went to limbo?" <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. she, I, of course, I was being a little obnoxious there, but maybe it was the drinks talking. But yeah. in any Good event, uh, I, I, I shocked her, and she really didn't know how to respond. Right. Um, and I felt sorry for her in, in retrospect because all she was trying to do was a good job. But they, they should have uh, at least given her the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about all the people for years and years who in theory went to limbo and now there is no limbo um where are they <laughs> yeah right i mean they weren't baptized so uh, are they in heaven now even though they weren't baptized certainly they're not in hell so yeah. i mean it, it raises an interesting question yeah just backtracking about um hearing stories like that that we did of, uh, with the cancer patient uh yesterday i um from my own experience i i did um my mother and my father are both Catholic. Um, she married a Catholic and we practiced, we'd go every week, uh, raised with sacraments, uh, was confirmed and kind of had a, a falling out in the church as, as you would expect a high school kid would. And, um, I don't know, like a, I, I feel at times these days, like closer to God than I have been in, uh, the past few years, just cause, um, hearing stories like that and, um, sort of just, looking at the world i guess in a different way it's it's i don't know if it's a catholic god i don't know if it's a buddhist god i don't know if it's any sort of god but um I, you do hear things like that and you just can't explain them and it's like it makes you wonder it really does my supposition to that is that what makes you stronger now is that you don't need the church to uh, to um, lean on, so yeah. to speak. Um, so often when you're a good church goer and you're, a, quote, a good Catholic, so much of that is tied around the building and the edifice and, and, and what goes into um, uh, the service and that kind of thing. Uh, so that when you don't have that service and edifice and all that in front of you, you basically 
basically then have to go to where it really is, and that's uh, the religion and the Lord itself and, and, and him being with you at all times and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, so you don't have that crutch, for want of a better way to say, yeah. uh, to have the church to be your crutch. And, and it could be because so often uh, that becomes habit rather uh-huh. than uh, reality in terms right. of really you're, you're not really doing it. You're, you're living it, but you're living it in a way because it's custom yeah. as distinguished from uh, a, a fresh uh, a thought about it. Yeah, I felt that uh, towards the end there, I would say like my sophomore year, high school, junior year, maybe. Um, I felt like I got caught up in that, like uh, where I was just going to things because I, I was supposed to or I was oh. like thought of to do yeah. that. And it stopped being a thing that I wanted to go to. And then people started uh, guilting me into that, um, which is, you know, uh, another half of the religion that I don't really like. But it, it, it turns into an, uh, a conversation about like whether you want to do it. And that's like another thing. Like now I... I feel like it's really just an attitude adjustment. Like I just want to uh, be together with people, mm-hmm. make other people happy, and I feel like that it, that is being close to God in some way. So yeah. um, I don't know. It's it's not like going to a building every Sunday, but I do have this feeling that that um, through my actions or just my the way I like look at people and look at life, that in some way that's like a spiritual. Um, and chances are, at your age and your generation, you really know very very few quote good catholics yeah and it's like that that word is just that's just a word it's arbitrary like i don't don't know like i would i would when i said good catholics i mean the ones that go to church right uh, yeah religiously and and uh, you know all that kind of stuff that we used to do i think there's very few millennials frankly who do it although i'm i'm convinced that had i engendered that kind of thing in the kids and had they, um, for whatever reason, maybe joined at, when they were in college, uh, the, the, the groups that got around them and chatted and all. Uh, and part of the problem Catholics have is they don't really know their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to read the Bible. As a matter of fact, at one time we were told you couldn't read the Bible because it, it brought out questions that uh, it should be interpreted by the, uh, by the religious people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the priests. Yeah, the priests. And, and uh, we didn't even have deacons back in those days. Oh, no. Um, so uh, there really is nothing that a, a, a true Catholic can look at uh, in terms of getting the depth of the religion itself short of making a conscious effort to do that and you're not going to have that conscious effort when there's so many other distractions to have unless you're you have a companions and uh, friends and all that where that becomes a part of life but then i i suspect in many ways that's awfully boring <laughs> well i i was on um i was on my college campus i go to cal state northridge and i was on my campus and someone approached me and um this man was just recounting the the story of Jesus, how he died, how he uh, was resurrected after the third day. And he was just telling me all these things. And uh, the part of it is like, I've been told it you know, a hundred times. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with the story, yeah. but um, so, but I felt like he was just telling me because that, like that was their protocol in a way. Like he was just taught to tell people those stories and you could see like it had some meaning to him in his eyes. You could, you could see him light up, but um, part of me just uh, felt like he was just being told to do that and um, may I know he believed it but 
seemed like it wasn't a conscious choice he was making. It was just like he was, it was more like an obligation that he had to come up and tell me than like to really get my opinion on the matter. So, mm-hmm. um, it was strange. It, it, it felt like, um, uh, almost like a robot. Like he was just going around from person to person, um, you know, t- t- saying the same story and may like when I brought up a different interpretation of it, he kind of closed off and, um, I think felt that there was like just one way of looking at things. And I think that's important. Like when you, you brought up the fact that, um, that a lot of people weren't allowed to, I didn't know that people were, uh, weren't encouraged to read the Bible because, uh, you know, a hundred people looking at the same book and get a hundred different interpretations. Did, did, did he tell you that at one time you, they weren't encouraged to read the Bible? No, he didn't tell me. You, yeah. I, I'm just learning that from yeah. you now. Yes, that really was the case. Now, uh, it's quite a ways, to, years and years and years ago. But uh, you sure, yeah. Uh, I know whether that was the Wisconsin Bible uh, theory or, or not. I don't know. But uh, uh, yeah, there, there, religion. It's it's hard to hard to define. Let's face it, and yeah. uh, it's interesting. Um, nobody really wants to die until unless they're in such horrible pain that they can't cope with it hardly anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know too many people who want to die so they can go see God. Uh, right. It would uh, if somebody would come back and say it's terrific. Um, but that's where that story and I hate to use the word story, but it, it, it wasn't a story. It was a fact that happened. I mean, there's no way this guy was deceived me about telling me about this lady who who had because factually when you go into a coma and you come out after after the period of time she was in and with what she had and she was totally cured yeah and every at the doctors and everybody's just amazed um so when something like that happens you it gets you thinking right. for one of a better way to put it yeah and i feel like that goes back to it's it's not like an act of going to a building and uh, the customary thing that was just like a very uh, out of body uh well it tells experience. you maybe that there really is a god yeah no that's it, the part i'm saying here right yeah you mentioned uh fear or everyone doesn't want to die you haven't met a person that you haven't uh you've met that would want or is waiting to die unless you commit suicide of course sure Which, by the way uh again we were taught as uh, early christians that suicide is i won't call it a sin but you cannot be at the, in those days no i don't think it works that way now in those days you could not be buried in the catholic church if you committed suicide do you think you'd go to limbo like you were mentioning earlier? oh no absolutely not you were limbo was some place you went if you weren't baptized okay and because it, it didn't seem logical that a poor little baby who um had no control over whether he should or she should be baptized or not, right. uh, dies before she gets baptized. Yeah. And there were only two choices, presumably, heaven or hell at that time. Yeah, like a now, miscarriage. Now, went to purgatory, but that was just to get your sins uh, uh, relieved so that you could uh, were uh, worthy to go into heaven. Yeah. So, But it just didn't seem fair for a little baby uh, who had no choices to make whatsoever and didn't somebody didn't get something done. I mean, if you, if you truly believed in lim, uh, no limbo, well, you should be baptizing them as they came out of the womb for god's sake um so uh seems kind of that was the logic i think 
that was the the reason there was a limbo, for want of a yeah. better way to put it. Now, without a limbo, as I said, I, I never did get the answer to my question. And to be honest with you, I never pursued it uh, in terms of uh, going to Google or somebody yeah. like that. Do you feel like there are any other uh, traditions or practices in the Catholic faith that kind of seem... Um, uh, kind of obtuse or um, just, you know, uh, I like nonsensical. the idea of uh, extreme unction, which is the one where you get blessed before you die, uh-huh. um, where a priest or, or deacon goes to the hospital and reads the uh, proper rites to you. And uh, it seems to me that not only is it um, uh, to whatever degree you, you can still appreciate it, uh, comforting to you, the person, but it also, I think, makes uh, the near uh, family people feel that um, that he or she is going to the, quote, right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe in that. Um, I, I think... Uh, when I say I believe in, I don't mean everybody should have extreme unction or they won't go to heaven, but I, do, I think it provides a nice thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the fact that the um, Catholic Church is now um, um, allowing married people who uh, have lost their spouse or whatever to, to become a, a priest. Uh, uh, and I honestly do believe in your lifetime, uh, or if not your your lifetime, I still think, uh, there will be female priests. Yeah. Um, when I was an altar boy, there were no female altar boys. Uh, they, I never saw a female, uh, by the way, that's a misnomer. It'd there were no altar. female <laughs> altar persons. Yeah. Uh, uh, I never, um, uh, and I can't remember the first time I saw it, but I'm going to say clearly, um, uh, uh, Bob would have been, easily 10 or 15 years old, if not older, before um, they had uh, altar girls. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, and I do feel, too, there was an interesting article uh, that I read this morning uh, where uh, the Pope has decided that uh, the um, host should be have gluten in it. Hmm. Uh, now, how the Lord told the Pope that you should put gluten in the host, I don't quite know. But um, the interesting thing is when somebody went uh, uh, back to him with a response, uh, 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 what if a person can't tolerate gluten? And then he said, well, then they should drink the wine. Now, hmm. whether he said it or not, uh, that was in the uh, article that I read in uh, Business Week uh, just this morning. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do think Pope Francis certainly is is a a, a lot more um, progressive. Uh, progressive is a good word. Uh, and but you know whether that it's funny how uh, religion is. Uh, you know, knowing World War II and, and only as a kid, but seeing other wars, there's an old saying that um, whatever religion you are, when the bullets start coming, uh, there is a God for you. You start praying to him big time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or like uh, plane crash, that kind of thing. Well, and, and just if you're in a foxhole, for example, firing at somebody and you, you've got all kinds of stuff going around you, uh, in fear, for want of a better term, uh, has you turn to God, uh, right. it gives you some comfort of some sort. Mm-hmm. Do you find that uh, in your lifetime that the 
the Catholic Church is moving towards a more like open mind. Oh, without or, a doubt. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, it's tolerating people going to heaven if they're not Catholics. It's uh, right. It's allowing us to go to other services. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, in the old days, by the way, you couldn't make communion unless you were in the state of grace. If you had any kind of a mortal sin on your on your soul, uh, you were not allowed to go to communion. It was considered a uh, I forget the word that they called it, but it was just uh, now anybody goes to communion because it's a part of the service. I'm not saying the Catholic Church uh, agrees with that. Yeah. Um, I do. I do have a, a little vignette I can give you when I was an altar boy and it was fun because when I looked at the calendar and it's it showed the names of the priests when we were there mm-hmm. and and he was a great priest father O'Reilly he was just a wonderful guy um, anyway in those days uh, you knelt at the altar to get your communion and the um, altar boy had a patent which was a little plate-like thing on a, on a oh, handle, which he put underneath your mouth there so that the, when the priest put the host in your mouth, any particles that would have fallen on the host, or, or if the host had fallen, would fall on this patent. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, you only went to communion once once a day. You didn't you didn't go more frequently. Well, as fate would have it, um, I, I was uh, the, uh, the guy who would, with the patent, and I would go to the next person and uh, with the patent and then he would take the host out of the chalice and and put it in the person's mouth Mm -hmm. well I noticed one person who did not get up after the first time and was still kneeling there Hmm. and uh, obviously he was violating a rule because he was going to get communion twice and there was no way in heck he should be getting communion twice yeah and so when it's my turn to put the patent over him I didn't do it. As a matter of fact, I kind of nudged Father O'Reilly to keep going, and he looked at me startled, and then he, he, he did give, and a person opened his mouth, and he gave him uh, communion again. Twice. Twice. Well, yeah, not realizing it was. So after the Mass, when uh, we got into the sacristy, I said, you know, Father O'Reilly, this that one person went to communion twice, you know, and he said something pretty profound. He said, uh, well, what did he expect? He opened his mouth twice. <laughs> now, here, here I'm a, a religious person, having learned that you should not go, go to communion twice. Yeah. Nobody told me what kind of a sin it is if you go to communion twice, but I had to assume it was some kind of a sin. Yeah. And he was being so flippant about it. You see a priest sort of like bending the rules. Well, bit. I don't know what he was bending the rule. He was being practical, but it was, it was certainly not the kind of thing to tell an altar boy. <laughs> right. Do you find, um, you mentioned we were uh, talking about this yesterday, how you noticed that churches kind of have a, a less structured uh, way of doing oh, things. Sure, of um, course. You, you know, you, you used to do Latin. All, all the service was in Latin. Um, right. Up until the and, 60s, right? Yeah. And then the, and altar boys, of course, had to learn Latin because their responses were, were in Latin all the time, uh, mm-hmm. whatever the priest said. And you didn't have the participation that that you have now uh the people would just uh listen to the uh priest talking and then the altar boy responding it wasn't like they were saying latin they were they were praying and and standing up when they should and kneeling down when they should and how much did you think people actually could understand i mean if you're going every week i i assume that you're gonna get the the gist of it but 
I mean, they, they well, would... Well, they had prayer books. A, okay. The nice thing is the prayer book had Latin and English in it. I so when they, when they were seeing the Latin, they knew what the English version of it was. Okay. But they didn't say it in Latin, and they didn't say it in English. It was not participating yeah. type of service. Uh, so they were reading more than they were actually... Well, they were, yeah, and that was another uh, thing where, where they decided, uh, and I forget what uh, convert, uh, convention that the Catholic... Uh, bishops had or, or cardinals um, they decided uh, several things they decided first of all to, to do away with the latin and go to english yeah they decided to avoid um having just uh the priest with his back to you uh because he's facing the tabernacle which is where the lord is of course and doing the service so the priest and the altar boys were all with their back to you all you saw was their back mm-hmm. um so what they did obviously Obviously, as they move the altar now into right near where the communion rail is, and uh, in many cases there even isn't a communion rail. In most cases, there isn't a communion rail anymore. You just walk up, and the priest gives you. And that was another thing. Uh, the only person who could give you the communion was a priest. You couldn't mm-hmm. have any lay people do that at all. So, yeah. and did you find um, did you find yourself sort of? Um angry or disappointed in how things have changed like you mentioned that they don't have the the bell they didn't ring the bell well some places do some don't i sure i'm just an observer i i i I think of myself when i look at religion um i kind of think of myself as as um an observer i i participate um uh i don't in any way shape or form feel i have the right to tell them they're doing it wrong because presumably they know more about it than I do, but I observe it, and I, I certainly, when I see different things happening at different places, um, all I can say is that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and you... <laughs> now, if I rem- remember, I told you when I travel and I say, people, that's interesting, that means I don't like it, but that, yeah. this, this is really this interesting. This time is actually interesting. Yeah, yeah. this is really interesting. Because you've, you've been to all these different countries with yeah. uh, Eastern religions, Yes, and by the way, that's religions. interesting, very, uh, and I mean that on a positive <laughs> sense. When yeah. we travel in a foreign country, without a doubt, especially if I'm in a capital of that country, I find out when, when there is a service mm-hmm. at the cathedral. Yeah. It is so profound. Uh, first of all, you, you want to go to the cathedral, whether there's a service or not, just to just see, to see yeah. uh, how it because it, it's hundreds of years old. It's like seeing a you know a part of a, a Parthenon, or yeah, something. a part of a of a community and a, and a country. Yeah. But the other thing about it is that uh, quite often, if not almost all the time uh, they stand during the service uh, there aren't any real pews or anything like that um, uh, but uh, because basically they got get more people in that way uh, and at the time there were more people I, I have not made the observation whether there's fewer services in the foreign countries or whether there's fewer people attending uh, um, Although I do remember when I attended a, a service, and I'm going to say 
It may, it may have been in Cuba. It was in a country where they kind of watch you all the time. And um, I, I remember somebody um, uh, quizzing me as we were, uh, Barbara and I, as we were coming out of the church. And, uh, and it was not just, oh, what part of the country are you from, uh, America are you from? It was more on the, on the service itself and how we had responded to it, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe hadn't. And I got the feeling that that he was making some serious judgments about us. Yeah, yeah. Even though it was still, it was a, you said you couldn't remember me, Kiba, but was it like a Catholic church? That oh, you're going for to? sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. We, no, no. I we we didn't go to services uh, unless they were in the Catholic church. I see. Uh, uh, the only time we'd go to services in other churches if friends of ours had weddings or, or funerals uh, and they were in in their church of their choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we as uh, um, friends and participant not that's the wrong word friends and and, and visitors uh, uh, would be celebrating quote unquote with them. Yeah, you already mentioned that you're more of an observer and that you didn't force religion on your kids that much. But um, was it important to you to see that? all your kids were married in a Catholic church? No. No? No, it would have been nice, and I think it was, if I, was, if I can remember. They were all married in the Catholic church. Um, had they not been, we, we would have gone to the service. Uh, we wouldn't have uh, uh, declined or anything. We'd have been disappointed, but uh, no. Uh, uh, and, and some of the services were different in the sense that uh, they married uh, some of the children married non-catholics and they were uncomfortable with certain parts of the service that they didn't want to um, participate in mm-hmm. um, uh, your dad was interesting in that uh, when the priest made the um, made the homily he made he made the comment that um, he, he couldn't remember a time after the um, where they have the practice, uh, you know, the day before wedding rehearsal, yeah, where he got a call from one of the br- uh, bridegrooms who were asking more about the information was how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do that? Oh, okay. Your dad wanted to be precise that he did it exactly right, and oh, okay. the priest brought the comment up that it's quite unusual for uh, the groom to call him later that day at night or whatever and asking about different uh, oh, okay. parts of the service. Yeah, um, so he. <laughs> try to do it all discreetly well he just wanted to be sure that he was doing it right but i I know he was a catholic when he got married Mm -hmm. there but so yes he was yeah yeah we got we We got a bug here (laughs) bug that seems to be interesting in our conversation all right well i i i know you gotta get going no i'm fine are you okay i don't have to leave till 11 okay well you you mentioned you you said that you were disappointed or you would have been disappointed if they didn't uh get married in a a catholic church disappointed is probably true um i i guess part of um part of the um message quote unquote that sends is that uh, we didn't do a quote good enough job of raising them if they didn't get married in the catholic church and by the way back in the older days um if uh if a um Catholic wanted to marry a non-Catholic, and it may still be the same now because we haven't had anybody getting married for a while. Uh, Mm -hmm. They have to take lessons or or, uh, go and uh, get instructions on on how to... um, 
what what the faith is about and and they have to agree to raise the children in the catholic faith now that was you know many many years ago i, I can't speak for the nearest one we've had now a wedding was billy and that's easily about five years ago i think for what i as yeah. far as i know uh but uh you, you, there was a, a distinct thing that you should be married in the Catholic Church. If you weren't and you got married in another church, you were in, quote, mortal sin. Yeah. So, you know, given that uh, parameter, clearly we would have been disappointed. Do you think you're going to heaven, Bill? Huh? You think you're going to heaven? Don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, one of the things I'm not doing that I used to do is um, I'm not uh, necessarily and we go to church every Sunday, but if we get into a situation where it's a real uh, tough one to do or we're traveling, where we would have to maybe leave the group or uh, whatever because we must be a church, mm-hmm. we aren't. We don't. Yeah. Uh, you got it right on your head. If you hit it, you'll, it's a <laughs> mosquito. Uh, but uh, um, no, I... I uh, all I'm saying is I don't know. Uh, and... Um, Obviously, the longer you go on, the more you say to yourself, I, I, do have, I do have one thing that I've decided over the years, and that is that you don't have to be a Catholic to go to heaven. Um, I, I, I've agreed with that. Um, and uh, I also believe that uh, the other one, which is very difficult, particularly for Catholics, is that you have to be in the state of grace to go to heaven. So mm-hmm. if you're a good person and you maybe committed a sin of some sort and you didn't tell the, um, the priest when you went to confession, which, by the way, if you noticed yesterday when we were at the at the uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, there were only two confessionals, and they were going right here, hit it there. Nope, you, it was on your... On was your, on the other uh, side? It was on your neck. Oh, here. neck thing. Uh, yeah. uh, they, they were really unobtrusive, uh, the, the confessionals. Uh, uh, but part of that is now that when you go to confession, you don't get behind a curtain or whatever. You actually talk to the priest and tell him uh, what your... Um, what your sins are I, uh, years and years ago i went to confession uh downtown at the uh, uh whatever they call it down the the, the big place uh, the name is escaping me mm. um, um and i had a priest uh, every time i tell him he'd say oh my god oh my god and i thought to myself holy mackerel am i going to get a uh, what do you call it a, a penance to to say uh i didn't get a whole rosary but i i did get a, a couple uh, uh parts of it that i had to say uh yeah, yeah uh well it, it it is it is interesting the different priests you get uh mm-hmm. and how they but i there again uh, talking about that I, I do not go to confession every year. And the theory was, and I don't know if it's still true, you had to make confession uh, to do your Easter duty. Hmm. And your Easter duty was during Lent and and by Easter time, around Easter time, you had to go to confession. That was making your Easter duty. Hmm. Uh, just the name itself sounds pretty demanding. Um, <laughs> your duty. But I, but I, I, and Barbara hasn't gone to confession for zillions of years uh 
And, Con her out. Well, the theory, again, is, uh, uh, well, I've gone to confession, I, I'm going to say, about two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I do it um, ever so often, not because I've got some big old mortal sins to tell, but yeah. only because uh, maybe I guess I feel I should for one of a mm-hmm. better answer to that. Well, we know you're not going to limbo. Definitely not. And we don't even know if there still is a limbo, and yeah. we never will. I, that's one thing Google probably doesn't know. <laughs> well, I'm starting to turn into more of a meal than a podcast host, so um, I'd say we end it there. All right. Yeah, but thanks for talking. Um, I, it was great. Okay. All right.